Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the momentum building for the city's proposed daytime camping ban, the filing of a lawsuit involving Portland street response, and Republican legislators' continued refusal to do their job. Joining me today are Willamette Week reporter Sophie Peel and our very own lead producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, June 1st. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Sophie, John, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Sophie, it's always a pleasure. I feel like I haven't done a roundup uh, with you in a while, and I'm so glad to see you. I know. It's been a while. Well, as you both know, this is uh, when we talk about the headlines of the week. And for all the new listeners, we always started off with a really random question, just so you know who's in the room, you know what to expect of us. Uh, so my question this week, uh, Sophie and John, is if you had to do one of those escape rooms as a duo with any Portland commissioner, we're also including the mayor in the mix here, <laughs> who would you pick and why? And just a, a reminder for anyone listening that they would be picking from Commissioner Renee Gonzalez, Commissioner Carmen Rubio, Commissioner Mingus Maps, and Commissioner Dan Ryan, as well as, of course, Mayor Ted Wheeler. Um, I'm going to go first so you guys have t- a little bit to decide. Uh, immediately, I would go with Commissioner Carmen Rubio. Um, she seems super smart and savvy, and I know that I would get overwhelmed, uh, and I tend to lose a little bit of my fight and tend to just get complacent, which is why I've never done an escape room, because I'm afraid I'll just be like, all right, I live here now. This is, <laughs> this is who I am. I live in this room. <laughs> but Rubio seems like she would just, like, hate to lose, uh, in a good way and would just carry us both if needed. Um, like, she's won every political seat she's ever run for, so I'm, I don't even think she knows how to lose, and I <laughs> do. So I need a winner. Man, I have some, uh, so I'm between two. Okay. First one is Carmen Rubio, because I think I get very frazzled in those things because I do not, I'm not a thinker like that. Like I, I'm very bad at puzzles and I get really overwhelmed and I think I have like strokes of genius and then I spend 10 minutes on something and it doesn't work. And then (laughs) anyways, it's very bad. Every time I've gone in there, I've been like very much the Achilles heel. So either Carmen Rubio and then my other one, which might come as a surprise, is the mayor. Because he's he's a nerd. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think he's always used his analytical skills in the best way. But I actually think he might thrive in that very like prescriptive Mm. I don't know. I just, it's between those two. So mm-hmm. surprise, maybe the mayor. Yeah. I think I'd go for Ted Wheeler too, partially because of what you're saying, Sophie. He's got that sort of analytical administrative streak in him. And I think that he'd be good at solving puzzles, but also I think that he's the person that would actually be really uncomfortable in that room. Like he's the person that would not want to hang out. I feel like a few of the other commissioners would be game to like, 
sort of hang out and chit chat. No, that's Mingus. Just sort of take our that time with Mingus, it. That would be Mingus, 100%. That would be Mingus. I mean, I'd have a really nice time with Mingus, mm-hmm. but I feel like we'd get stuck in the room. Whereas Ted, I feel like anything that <laughs> I've seen so of him- He's so uncomfortable that he- does, <laughs> He does not want to be in a room alone with me any longer than he has to. So we would get out of that escape room very quickly. Oh, <laughs> I love man. that. Now I really want like, uh, Mayor Ted Wheeler, if you're listening, Commissioner Carmen Rubio, will you do this with us? We just want to see which team would win. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. You know how Willamette Week does, um, uh, what is it, Candidates Gone Wild? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love if we got permission to put all five commissioners in an escape room and, like, video it. <laughs> I think that would be so funny. Talk- no yeah. more editorial board interviews at the Willamette Week. Oh, my God. This is, this is how you choose. Knock it out. <laughs> I feel like that's what should have been written in the new charter is, like, hey, this is how we, we engage um, – Voters, this is it. This is our new strategy. Is it's only going to be escape rooms, and whoever yeah. wins the escape room wins. Their yeah, for, race. forget rank choice voting. We're no. doing ballot by escape room. From <laughs> <Ballot. now. laughs> All right. Well, thank you, uh, Sophie. You are a guest. Would you like to uh, kick us off? Sure. Yeah. So the big city hall news this week is that. Um, the mayor has proposed a pretty sweeping uh, ban on camping, which would also criminalize it uh, in a variety of ways. So basically what his his proposal lays out is a camping ban that would not allow people to pitch tents um, on sidewalks on any city property, which is most of the city. Um, they can't start fires. They can't use gas heaters. You can't, you know, clear land in order to uh, in order to pitch a tent. You can't leave trash anywhere. Um, I mean, it is pretty much banning everything that any homeless person would do on any given day between basically waking hours, so 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. There's a lot we don't know about this ban. We don't know how it's going to be enforced. I mean, I think the city just straight up doesn't have the resources to enforce this, uh, you know, 12 hours out of the day, every single day. Um, We also know that it would essentially criminalize, uh, you know, camping and starting fires and and littering. So if you have three offenses, you either get a hundred dollar ticket or you, you know, get a criminal citation. So you potentially go to jail. Um, So, you know, this is uh, this is about as contentious as it gets when it comes to homelessness. I mean, there was a. you know, city council meeting on Wednesday where there was over five hours of testimony from people on both sides of the aisle, basically either saying this is inhumane, this isn't going to solve anything. And then other people who said this is a great step to, you know, finally revitalize our city. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's going to a vote uh, next week and it's expected to pass either 4-1 or, or 5-0, I think. I think if there's going to be a holdout, it's going to be Commissioner Rubio. Um, so I think this is going to happen. I mean, a- again, there's always this like kind of dissonance between the city saying it's going to do something and then actually what it does just because something's in writing, just because an ordinance was passed and code was changed doesn't mean that there's an enforcement mechanism to actually make it happen. So it's complicated and I, I think it's going to pass next week. And again, that's not to say what's going to happen after it's passed, but I do think this will be in our code as of next week. Gosh, I mean, it's so wild because 
I don't think any of us are surprised that this is a major issue or that this was coming. There's been so much focus on homelessness in the city that we knew that something like this was going to pass. But I just can't see how people are going to be able to comply with this. I feel like there's no way for people to like actually honor this law if and when it goes into effect, which means either the city is going to put the law on the books and not enforce it, or there's going to be this situation where people are getting put in jail left and right. Um, I mean, I, I think the city said that the policy is going to be phased in um, once the sort of larger outdoor encampments begin to open in more locations. But like, even still, I'm just really apprehensive to see what this is going to actually look like in practice. And and it seems like sort of a classic move of putting a law into effect that the city knows it can't really manage to enforce. You know, what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling is that the city is trying very hard to make living here, living in Portland, uh, homeless, inhospitable. And I can totally see this being like more of a threat than an actual like, we're going to do this, but just like, hey, if you come to Portland and you think you're going to pitch your tent, you're going to get fined and we might put you in jail. And like that might that threat mm. alone might stop more people from coming here, especially in the summer. That's like one thing. The other thing I'm thinking is and it was it was brought up. I forget when because we've been talking about this uh, for a couple weeks now. But mm -hmm. someone brought up like, what if. Do you, uh, Sophie, are you familiar with the, um, the ADA lawsuit? Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the fall, a group of Portlanders with disabilities, um, sued the city and alleged that it was essentially, uh, you know, violating, routinely violating the, um, ADA, you know, federal ADA laws by allowing tents to be pitched on, on sidewalk or sidewalks. Um, and, uh, just on Wednesday morning, the city council, um, you know, settled uh, or agreed to pass through the settlement that they had agreed upon with those with those Portlanders. And it was actually fairly soft. Um, you know, the, the payout to each of the plaintiffs, I think, was five thousand dollars. And then I think the more meat of the of the settlement is that the city has to clear a certain amount of, you know, encampments every single um, year they have to create a hotline and you know a website to prioritize um, uh, camps that are potentially violating ADA laws. Mm -hmm. A lot of this, the city already has kind of exactly a, yeah. certain systems in place. I mean, we have an online portal. You can call three one one and report a campsite. So honestly, the the settlement seemed pretty favorable to the city. But that coupled with you know this new camping ban, I think is it's going to make it. I mean, it, it's both like a signal that the that the mayor is getting pretty serious about this thing. But I think it's also in reality going to make it harder, a lot harder to be homeless, too, in Portland, um, even if just for like kind of the psychological fear. I mean, like mm -hmm. you said, John, I mean, with this with this slew of of laws, if if this thing passes, you know, I'm trying to imagine what a homeless person would do throughout the day. I mean, it pretty much says like, you know, you got to be on a park bench, but you can't have your things around you. You have to be walking. Um, you have to be in a library. I mean, it, you know, you can't be in your tent for 12 hours out of the day. And a lot of people, especially, you know, in the, in the summer months when it's warm, like they do choose to stay in their tent either to shield themselves from the sun. I mean, you know, so anyways, it's, um, I think there are so many unknowns right now and I can see so many scenarios. And the one thing I will say is I, like, I can't picture a scenario where this is a good thing. I mean, it's just like, 
the the different rabbit holes that I think this could lead us down are uh, um, there's a lot of them. Oh <laughs> They're very gosh. dark. And, it, and it's just so <laughs> wild to think about Portland kind of going in two directions simultaneously, right? Where we are increasingly criminalizing the act of being homeless in the city. But at the same time, we passed Measure 110, which was kind of intended to get at some of these same systemic problems, right? That we had this culture of just putting people in jail for the possession of drugs. And as voters, we decided, no, we don't like that. But then somehow when somebody's homeless, we're like, oh, okay, we need to get rid of them. No, so drug addicts who have houses, totally cool. We're fine with that. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, exactly. We're fine with that, yeah. I hear what everyone's saying. I also don't understand how this is going to actually happen or work, uh, mm-hmm. I, especially with the police force saying that they're understaffed, especially like uh, if we go. I know. I can't imagine that police officers want to be spending their days enforcing exactly. this Exactly. The, the, our fire department is understaffed. I mean, we have so much going on. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you guys don't mind, I'm just going to switch over to to what my headline, because I don't know if you saw that uh, a division chief at Portland Fire and Rescue filed a tort claim, which is like the document that comes right before a lawsuit against his own bureau and his own chief, which is Sarah Boone and the city of Portland, like back in March, this was filed. Um, And what's high drama about this all aside from like this very action is that through it, you kind of see all the issues that are affecting not only our, you know, uh, fire department, but our police department concerning their budgets, concerning overtime, concerning like staffing. And uh, I want to get into it. But I mean, this is why I'm just like, I don't, though I too want Portland to figure out their houseless issue. I don't understand who's going to be enforcing these laws because as is, they're already stretched so thin, including the Portland Street response, which is like kind of in the middle of this entire lawsuit that's coming. Um, Mm -hmm. But before I lay out, I mean, do you guys, have you guys heard about this? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just because I read my own newspaper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is... Didn't know about it before. (laughs) Yeah, this story comes from Sophie's uh, colleague, uh, Nigel. How do you say his last name, Nyquist? It's Jaquist. A lot of people are like, Jaquist. I wanted to say, I wanted to say Jaquist. So I was like, Nigel Jaquist. (laughs) So... I want to tell you a little bit of what the legal documents, cl- you know, claims. So back in 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 March, uh, Division Chief Tim Matthews, who is the Community Health Division Chief, that's the division that oversees Portland Street Response. He alleges that he disciplined a senior bureau officer and a very close friend of Chief Sarah Boone's uh, for belittling a Portland Street Response employee over the use of personal pronouns, and the chief responded by sabotaging his career. That is the claim. Um, but there's a little bit more to it because this story, I feel like that Saturday Night Live character has it all. (laughs) 
It has like cultural tension. It has misgendering. It has, you know, uh, the dregs of a hardesty legacy. It has everything. It has Gonzalez. He's in here, mm -hmm. you know. Um, mm -hmm. So let me tell you a little bit about Tim Matthews. So he's born and raised in Oregon. And he's been with Portland Fire and Rescue since 2005. This is like why it's a little odd is that he uh, has been promoted through the ranks and actually is a, a protege of uh, Chief Sarah Boone. So they're good friends. Like before he went on leave in December, Matthew would often act as deputy chief. And if you guys don't remember, Chief Sarah Boone was sworn in as Portland Fire Chief and Rescue Chief in 2019 by Hardesty which was our commissioner at that point because she was in charge of the fire department. And, and so now chief Sarah Boone became the first African American to lead, you know, the bureau in like 136 years. Um, so she runs the equity program. So these allegations are also a little like, what is happening? So she runs the equity program. He's part of that program. But before he became a fireman for 10 years, he was in law enforcement. So this is like a previous police officer who then turned into like, you know, a, a, a fire department employee. And it, it's, he has a really interesting background. One, nobody wants the Portland uh, street response in the Portland fire and rescue because they're just like, they're a bunch of weirdos. We don't know who, like, they're just not us. They're not a white dude. <laughs> they're, and like, mm -hmm. they want us to like say things that we don't want. I also think they're anti-cop. That's what Gonzalez has claimed. He's like, well, you can't blame them for the cultural tension. They like hate the police. They want to abolish the police. And it's like, okay. Mm. Um, so there's that. But then two, the money that's coming from Portland Street Response is coming straight from the fire department. But who is the Portland Street Response actually helping? Is it the fire department or is it the police? I think what's really great about this story is like, you know, it's a really nuanced story because it's mm -hmm. really hard to put into words like cultural divisions, I guess, especially when they're not necessarily put in writing. Exactly. Um, I mean, there is a very real cultural difference between firefighters who tend to be a little bit more conservative and who are, I think Nigel put in statistics there about like 79% are white, 89% of our firefighters are male. I mean, that's just so different from the social work world. It's just different from the mission of mm -hmm. Portland Street Response. And so I think naturally you're going to get that clash. And especially when you, like, everything's about money, right? So when you bring in money to the equation, like, I think that cultural division is, like, exacerbated because you're in a fight for resources. I think what's interesting, though, is, like, under Commissioner Hardesty, I think fire like her, not that her allegiance to Portland street response was higher than her allegiance to fire, but like that was her baby. Portland mm -hmm. street response was her baby. She was close with chief Boone. So I think she was kind of able to like meld those two things, or at least with a thin string, kind of keep them together. Yeah. But then we've got commissioner Renee Gonzalez come in. He is like diehard firefighter ally. You know, he's been doing like an annual tour of every single fire station. And he's, you know, made the, uh, the fire union believe that he's really going to kind of give them a lot of their demands. And, you know, he's, kind of okay with overtime. He's been fine with the really inordinate um, overtime costs. So, you know, I think his allegiance pretty clearly, even though he hasn't necessarily, you know, said this outright is to the fire, the fire bureau over, over Portland street response. So now I think that he's in there. I think that division between PSR and the fire bureau is just, 
it's just going to increase. So yeah, I'm yeah. really and he and you know Gonzalez has said on multiple occasions, well, we're going to try to fund PSR with federal resources. You know, it doesn't have to be either or; it can be you know both and. But we haven't figured out those federal resources yet. And, and yeah, let me say something about that real quick: is that there is federal money that no one's tapped into for PSR, and that just shows how little anyone cares right now. Like that's higher yeah. up because the money's there. They could continue this program, but I think no one wants to oversee it. Like the fire department's like, we don't want this. And I and I don't I think like no one even wants to bring up the fact like, hey, maybe this should belong in the police department, being that it's helping the police, you know, why don't we put that there? It's not. And I think you're right, Sophie. I think it went to the fire department because Hardesty and 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 Chief Boone were su- such good friends. And part of me wonders if even that allegiance of like you're going to become the next next chief and you're going to oversee this program that i want chief boone's just friends with everybody friends with hardy <laughs> steve friends with matthews she's just got friends all over the city i mean i it's just so unfortunate that portland street response has ended up in this inadvertent role of being really politicized right and and the idea that this department's fate rises or falls with the leadership that is uh, you know, been elected to around on city council is just, I mean, just seems like such bad policy. And, and like, again, this is, you know, this is a department that is relatively new and it's still growing. It's still, you know, only recently came out of a pilot phase, but they already decided to cut the budget from like 13 million to 10 million in the next budget cycle. Um, you know, and, and there has been some chat about like, well, maybe it goes to the county, maybe it gets spun off to like a nonprofit contractor. And I just feel like it takes time to build these systems. It takes a lot of work and like coordination to make something like this really work and get all the bugs out of the system. And I just think it would be really unfortunate if, you know, sort of because of political infighting and difference in culture, it doesn't get a chance to thrive and fulfill its mission. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. And like, I keep coming back to Commissioner Gonzalez, but on the campaign trail, he waffled a little bit on his support of Portland Street response. In the beginning, he was like, I don't have enough data to say if it's really working. And then as we got closer to the actual election, he was like, yes, I think we should expand it citywide. So, you know, he sort of like moved his support of Portland Street response from like, eh, maybe to like, yeah, I support this. But I think there was always some trepidation that he when it, when push came to shove, when it came to dollars between the firefighters and Portland Street response, that he was going to side with the fire bureau. And I think yeah. I think we're seeing that in real time, you know. And like it's so easy to think of our resources as finite that we don't have to choose between these two things, but but we do, especially we do. when you've yeah. got a bureau in financial crisis. So I think it's been really interesting to see how he sort of moved his rhetoric about PSR as the months have gone on. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're listening, you're just like, they keep saying Portland Street response. If someone is having a mental health crisis, they're no longer calling the police. The Portland Street response goes because they're just like, why would we ask the police that is trained to do something very differently to deal with mental health issues? That should be a social worker. That should be someone who is practiced, who is knowledgeable of these things. Um, so it makes sense that we, we we need a Portland Street response, and it is alleviating a lot of those calls. So I just don't understand why these bureaus can't figure this out, you know, like why the city can't figure out how to fund a program that clearly is working, that everyone says works. Like, it's not like someone's like, well, it's not really working. Everyone's like, no, no, it's a good program, but not. In, I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to eat lunch with them. 
<laughs> I don't want to, what's your pronoun? I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems petty. Totally. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me uh, explain that one. And like, like Sophie said, it is very nuanced. There's a lot to it. I highly suggest reading uh, Nigel Jacquez's uh, article on it at the Willamette Week. And also it does read like a little bit of a novella. He really leaned on like, and then there's a lot of like little bits of gossip in there. <laughs> I mean, reporting. They could be the same thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> I know. Reporting is just gossip with facts. It is. It really is. <laughs> Reporting is just highbrow gossip. That's what it is with facts. Yeah. <laughs> What's your story, John? Uh, uh, speaking of government dysfunction, uh, oh boy, the legislature. Um, <laughs> a month ago when this Republican walkout happened, you told me that we were still going to be dealing with this the first week of June. I would not have believed you, but that is where we're at. Uh, Republicans basically bailed on the state Senate back in May, on May 3rd. And that has continued going on to today. I mean, it is in the fifth week of this walkout now. And, um, you know, the governor had finally gotten involved and started trying to negotiate with Senate Republicans to get them back to the table uh, last week or so. Um, and then earlier this week, Kotex said that those negotiations had broken down. So we're sort of in this free fall phase where we just don't know what's going to happen. There's a whole bunch of bills that need to get passed, but because of Oregon's wacky quorum laws, uh, Senate Republicans are basically preventing the government from doing its business. And, you know, the Senate ends on June 25th. Republican leadership has said that they are going to come back at the end to vote on like a whole bunch of bills really quick. But uh, there's just like a lot of potentially really important laws that are caught up in this and that can't pass because of uh, the walkouts. John, I thought there was, I thought we we passed a law that would make it so if people, you know, if the Republicans kept walking out, they would just not be able to be elected again. Like what's going on with that? Why aren't they, why aren't they fearing for their jobs as we were hoping they would if they couldn't uh, do yes. their job? <laughs> yes, we do have that law. We passed it. And it says that if Republicans have more than 10 unexcused absences, they won't be able to run for office again. And there's like, there's so much going on about like these like little nitpicky arguments about that law. Um, and some of the ways that it is written, it says that lawmakers can't hold office in the term following the election. And now a lot of Republicans are um, saying like, well, that means that we get to serve a whole nother term after this one. So we can still come back next year. Oh, my God. One senator is saying that the law is unconstitutional because of his First Amendment rights, that which make protect any free sense. speech, no. which like I would love to enforce my First Amendment rights and not show up to work. Um, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, there's also a question of like, well, it doesn't bar people from running for re-election. So maybe they get voted out of office and then get elected again. I mean – there's just so much that is unknown, and there's definitely going to be a bunch of legal challenges after the session is over. And I think a lot of Republicans are just banking on that they can beat it legally and stay in office, even though they are absolutely doing the exact thing that this law was designed to prevent them from doing. I mean, obviously, the walkouts are, are ridiculous. And I think Republicans are like throwing, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall to, to see what sticks. But 
Um, you know, I also can't figure out like, is this, does this say that we crafted that, like our, our, our bill language was just poorly thought out. We've had that issue before in Oregon time and time again of like Mm -hmm. things being unclear. I don't know. Maybe we should like have, I I don't know what the answer is, but maybe we should do a little bit more proofreading. Well, they're You're blaming the concerns. law. Let's blame the Republicans. <laughs> I, no, just... <laughs> I, I, am, I am on board with blame the law because you know, I, there was some local paper, it might have been yours, Sophie, that w- wasn't in favor of this measure when it was proposed because they're like, this is a really goofy way to get to what we actually need, right? Because it allows people to like still go and do this for an entire session mm-hmm. and hold with the legislature, and then they don't get to come back into to, uh, session the next year. But they said, like, look, what we're trying to do is get around Oregon's weird, dumb quorum law that says we need this, like, two-thirds majority of lawmakers in order to conduct business, and that is dumb. And if we really wanted to affect this, we should just change that law as opposed to creating this measure that is like, well, if this happens, then that has to happen, then that has to happen. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the intention of this law was good, but it is kind of wacky and and yeah. there were concerns that exactly what's happening right now might happen if this thing went into effect. So the quorum law, that could go to ballot measure. That could be something we voted on, or does the quorum law need quorum, which will never happen? <laughs> in our in our endorsement, our I mean, we you know had like four hundred words about it, um, but our conclusion was the simple, elegant solution to Oregon walkouts would have been to propose amending the constitution to lower the quorum threshold to there one half. Go. In our in, yeah yeah yes. so. So amending the state constitution, that probably does take – that's probably not a ballot initiative. That probably does need to be – You need quorum to take out – You need quorum. quorum. This yeah. is probably – I'm just – I'm bringing this up because I'm like, you know, if you have to change the constitution, then you must reach quorum. They will never reach quorum. And I think this is why they were just like, but what if you can't hang with us if you do this 10 times in a row? <laughs> if you don't play by the rules, yeah. you have to spin around three times. Yeah. Say now it. all the bad kids are like, but you said on Sunday and today's Monday. So you know what I mean? It's totally like, like a four square game where you're just making up new rules. Yeah. It's like, well. No, it hit my foot. Yeah, it was if outside. I can't come yeah. to work. Then I'm going to say that I don't have to because of free speech. Yeah. yeah, totally. I just remember I used to play four square and there was this one kid who would always go like whenever he would go out of bounds, he would try to put his foot so it bounced off his foot. And you're just like, it's out of bounds. And he's like, no, because it hit my foot and my other foot's inbounds. And so you're just like, dude, I hate you. And I'm sure he's a Republican. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I agree that the law wasn't uh, written to be fully enforced. I feel like if there, there was a theme of this uh, a headline showdown, it was just it'd just be like laws. What's up with that? Laws, what's up with that? <laughs> I mean, but, but like, just to make sure that we don't get like too far into like law theory world, there's a lot of bills at stake in this session yeah. that have not passed yet that like could mean a whole lot to a whole lot of people, right? Like there's a big bill that um, was aiming to fix our public defender system, which is super screwed up gotten caught up in this uh funding there was a bill that was gonna be part of funding for the interstate bridge uh got caught up in this hasn't passed means we could lose out on a lot of federal money um reforms to measure 110 which is the sort of legislation that um decriminalized drug possession that a lot of people are really upset about it they're trying to fix it very bipartisan law but they can't get to it because of this like weird little 
you know, standoff. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that like is important that we want to happen that I think we can agree on as a society are important things that need to happen that have gotten stuck and are, you know, and we don't know if they're going to pass because uh, the government broke. <laughs> if the Republicans keep doing this thing, which they may never have consequences for, they may, yeah, that th- th- that means that's it. The government's just like, well, we tried. Uh, good legislative session. See you next year. Nothing happened. <laughs> I <laughs> like, mean, wh- that can't be. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, you know, realistically, if this happens, I think that, you know, people are going to come back and try and pass another law that, like, either gives this one more teeth or gets at this issue another way. I mean, I don't think we can just be like, well, we can't do government anymore. You know, I think <laughs> something needs to change. But in the meantime, you know, it, it could really screw up the session in the short term. Yeah. Didn't there was but a, we just don't know. We just don't know. There, like, wasn't there a state that had the same issue, same thing, Republicans, quorum, not coming to work? Didn't they like have state troopers go get them from their house and escort them to the house to vote? Do you remember this? I didn't make this up. Yeah, that that was Oregon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is why don't we just do that? Just <laughs> actually, sir, you must do your job. Vote in now. Oh, you didn't reach quorum. Therefore, we now have government. I just feel like that's yeah. what we should do. Why isn't Governor Tina Kotek just sending out the state pol- police and like, let's do she, this She thing. could. Yeah. Let's just she's, do it. I just feel like, she, why are we messing around with this? <laughs> because what happened last time was when Kate Brown said that she was going to do that, all of the Republicans were like, well, we're going to another state. So they- <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a very easy workaround. Have fun. Well, then have fun fun. (laughs) I feel like, okay, go. Then maybe we can get something done now. All right, whatever. (laughs) You're just like, it happened here. It was here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, well, thank you so much, Sophie, John, for uh, sitting here with me and and talking through these headlines. Thanks for having me. Thank you for getting my blood pressure up talking about this. (laughs) Yeah, I actually got mad. Yeah, <laughs> I just want everyone to know that Sophie has been cool as a cucumber this entire time. Like she's, I, just, I don't know what's going on. I'm disassociating. She's exercising her First Amendment right. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll be better next time no. if you guys have me again. It's totally. Fine. I'm fired. I'm fired from CityCast. Oh man. Uh... Hey, before we go, I wanted to ask you a favor. We're trying to make the show even better and more useful to you, our listener. So if you have five minutes, we'd be endlessly grateful if you took a survey at citycast.fm forward slash survey. We're just trying to make it to 100 completed surveys. So the sooner people complete these surveys, the sooner I will stop asking. But also, if you have any constructive feedback, now is your time to shine. Plus, anyone who takes the survey will be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. That's a lot of donuts. Unless you're going to Blue Star, and it's probably like five. All right, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producer is Julia Meatsticks Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs> <laughs>